born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Once more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I find it interesting that the angel wanted to give her that information, right? By the way, Mary, Elizabeth, in her old age, is conceived. And if you haven't read that story about Zechariah, and it's obviously the, the birth of John the Baptist, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. I think we can learn a few things here. First, I think many of us need to use language like, I am your servant, Lord. And everything you say about me is true. Right? I think, I think that is just a great exhortation of Scripture. I think it's a great example of Mary. And thinking about, you know, being a teenage young girl out in Galilee, probably, you know, she, she grew up in a rural area, which is another thing you can think about as far as the Lord's choices, right? See, the people in Judah disdained the Jews in Galilee, claim they were not kosher. In other words, they didn't keep the religious rights exactly the way they meant. That's why they would say that. They were liberal, you might say, and at least they believed there were. I don't know if they were or not. And mostly it's because of their contact with the Gentiles. They, they, they had contact with them. And remember that the Jews would walk around Samaritans or walk around places that they believed that were unclean. So it was a very strong religious attack on them as a people. But God in his grace chose a girl from Nazareth in Galilee to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And so here heaven is breaking in in the birth of Jesus. And with that break, heaven breaking in with the birth of Jesus, God is bringing love to you and I. He's bringing hope where there's hopelessness. He's bringing peace where, where you're anxious. He's bringing joy where there is no joy to be found. And he brings love that surpasses everything you and I understand or believe. What do we know about Mary? We know that she was brought up in a Jewish home. She was Jewish. We know she was young. We know that, you know, uh, we know that Joseph uh, as well grew up in the same city. We know that he was a carpenter. Matthew actually talks a little more about Joseph than Luke does. Luke focuses on the account, the account with Mary. We know that Gabriel had come to give her good news. I'm not sure she understood it as good news, right? As a teenager, she's going, okay, let it be. I'm your servant. Let it be done as you said. I, I, I really don't believe she understood what that meant for her the rest of her life. Right. And the other thing I'd like to mention about Mary that I think is important. Uh, some people, uh, <clears throat> some groups put her too high and worship her even beyond be uh, more than Jesus. And then other groups don't give her enough honor due to her name, due to what she done. And so she, she is the mother 
the physical mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I, I think, you know, we need to understand that. Elizabeth would say to her, you're honored among women. And, God, and then she's part of God's plan, right? But let's focus a little bit this morning now on the fact that God loves us. That the Lord came to this earth to bring love to us. I have a little clip I want to show us because I don't know. It's really difficult to um, sometimes explain the love of God, right? I mean, I, I think it is. I, I sit here and I'm thinking about it all week. Lord, how do I explain your love? And, I, and I'm not a um, Hebrew scholar. Um, matter of fact, I'm not a scholar on anything except for maybe life. Uh, so let's, let's watch this clip. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the third key word in this prayer, how Israel is called to love their God. But what does that mean? Love is a very common word in most languages, as it is in ancient Hebrew. It's pronounced ahava. It most basically refers to the kind of affection or care that one person shows another. It sometimes describes physical affection, like the king of Persia's love for Queen Esther. But there are other Hebrew words that more specifically refer to physical desire or sex. Ahava is more broad. So Abraham had Ahava for his son Isaac, that's parental love. Jonathan showed Ahava for his friend David, that would be brotherly love. In fact, a whole group of people can have Ahava for their leader, like when the Israelites showed love for their King David. Ahava can even describe loyalty between political allies, like Hiram, the king of Tyre, loved David. They had good relations, and so Hiram wanted to help David's son Solomon build the temple. These are all different kinds of affection described with the one word, Ahava. Now all of this is helpful for understanding God's Ahava in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy, Moses told the Israelites, God showed affection for you, he chose you because of his Ahava for you. So God doesn't love because the Israelites earned it or deserve it. It simply originates from God's own character. He loves because he loves. This is why Jeremiah can say that God's love is everlasting. It has no end because it has no beginning. God's love just is an eternal fact of the universe. And God's love is not a duty, it's a genuine feeling, an affection that God experiences. This is why the prophet Hosea compares God's love for his people to a husband's ahava for his wife, or to a parent showing ahava for their child. It's one of the strongest things that God feels. But that doesn't mean that God's love is just a feeling. God's love is also in action. It's something God chooses to do. Like when Moses says, because of God's ahava for your ancestors, he brought you out of Egypt with great power. God's love isn't just a sentiment, it is something God does. And so, in the Shema, Israel is called to respond to God's ahava by showing ahava in return. And just like God's love, human love is to show itself through actions. Like in Deuteronomy 10, 
What does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him and serve him and to keep his commands? All of these actions are centered around love. If I'm not doing them, I don't actually love God, I just say I do. Which leads to one last thing. In the Old Testament, I show my love for God by how I treat the people around me. In Deuteronomy, we read that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he shows ahava for the immigrants among you, giving them food and clothing. And so you also show ahava for the immigrant. So the people are to imitate God's ahava by showing ahava for others. This is the idea underneath the famous line, you shall ahava your neighbor as yourself. And so at the end of the day, all of this is rooted in God's own eternal ahava. Like we read in the New Testament letter of 1 John, we love because God first loved us. And that's the Hebrew word ahava. Hope you're enjoying this word study series we're so doing at the Bible Project. We have a lot more oh coming out. Got it down. See, I think the one thing is I think about love and the love of God. God loves me in spite of myself. He loves you in spite of yourself. It's not the actions that you do or that we deserve it or any of those. We all know that as you read the scriptures because it's so clear. The scriptures are very clear about that. Um, actually, let's, Jeremiah, what he, the, the scholars, uh, this is called the Bible Project, by the way. Um, and you can, you can see they have different clips. You can see it on YouTube. They do a great job. Um, but the Lord has appeared, appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, this is Jeremiah. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with a loving kindness, I have drawn you. And I think all of us can relate to that, that you have this relationship with Jesus, and he's, he, Jesus draws us. So everything that you read right there, Everything that you heard, everything you saw, all of the attributes of God's love is in Christ Jesus. All of it. Christ, Lord, the Lord revealed all of that in his son when he was birthed. That, that when we come and celebrate the birth of Christ, we are celebrating love given to humanity. Right? That's what this is all about. When we come and light our candle, Jesus, you're the light of the world. Jesus, you're the light of my life. You've given me purpose and you've, you've, you've shared with me. It also says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of the love of the Father is bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it doesn't know him. So when you began to allow God's love to reach out through you, it's misunderstood. Because people don't really understand why people are generous. And, and everybody, I think we would all would agree to this, that all of us, everybody, is looking for love. Right? Everybody. We're looking, we're looking for acceptance. We're looking for something that is real, something that is tangible. And that's what God has given to us. Matter of fact, he said, and this, this is one of these scriptures that you memorize. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God so loved. God so loved. 
the world. God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loved us that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. First advent, first coming, linked to the second coming. That verse connects both. God so loved the world, he gave his son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinner, sinners, Christ died for us. And then we have in the New Testament, Paul unpacks love for us. And before we venture it out and, and read those verses, I want to say to you, one thing I've recognized about love and been pondering that makes love challenging is the love of God makes us vulnerable. And who likes to be vulnerable? Right? Think about it. The love of God in us, with our emotion, with our act, makes us vulnerable. Most of us spend most of our life guarding our emotions. And when we become vulnerable, and that is taken advantage of, we become calloused. Right? And I venture out, anybody who's walked the face of this earth for any period of time as an adult has been vulnerable and has been taken advantage of one way or the other. And what happens is that we begin to shut doors towards people. That's what happens. Because true love, the love of God, makes us vulnerable. And that is a struggle that we all engage, right? It's a good place when you hear that, when you start feeling those the vulnerabilities coming up, you, you really want to kind of put them over here in this safe place. An emotional closet. You all have them. We all have them. Come on. If you're going to be honest, you can say, yeah, we got them, right? The safe place. It's a place where you protect your emotions. And as a psalmist would say, where can I go from you? Where can I hide from you? See, Jesus knows our vulnerability. He knows that we deal with that. He understands that. Thus, you know, loving God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind is probably a lot easier than loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm not hearing very many amens here. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it is hard, right? Especially, you know, it's easy to love the neighbor you don't know very well. It's easy to love at a distance, right? How many of you enjoy loving at a distance? It's real safe, right? You're over there, you got your safe arm's distance. You know, we are Americans. We don't like people sitting next to us. You know, if this, if, the, if we were, it, well, no, I go down that road. Anyways, we like our space. That's what I was just really trying to say. We like our space. We like, you know, our space, you know. And then 
the first time I started, when I started, I gave my life to the Lord and I started going to church and people started hugging me. I wanted to karate chop them. What are you doing? Dude. <laughs> don't be hugging on me. That's, you know, that, John Wayne don't allow that stuff. Right? But that, that's what, you know, if you could, <laughs> go to other, if you've ever been in Europe, uh, Lisa and I were in Romania, and we're traveling from Romania, we're going to Hungary, and we stayed in this older couple's Hungarian, uh, no, Romanian household, and his name was Gab Gabriel. And, um, and so his battery died, so Lisa and I decided to give him some money to get, get the battery to his car fixed. I mean, they're out there pushing his car at 4 o'clock in the morning and get us to the train station on time, you know, and... And uh, the whole village showed up to get this car going because they all wanted us to make, make our train. And so I, um, when we got to the train station, we're in this train station with one light hanging from the ceiling, one. So anyways, so I gave him the money. He gave me a big fat kiss on my cheek. Went, I mean, it was a wet willy. <laughs> and I just went, thank you. <laughs> Of course, men in you know Europe greet each other with a you know kiss. They they take greet each other with a holy kiss very serious. Just saying. So let's let's see what Paul is saying here when he talks about he he begins to unpack love in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and I think it really does describe to us the vulnerability. And the honesty of the love of God that's placed in the midst of Jesus that Jesus has called us to be. The, the example of love. You know, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not rude. Rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And it endures through every circumstance. It endures through every circumstance. See, the word love in Scripture 
really is a commitment to sacrificial action for others. Because it's the same sacrificial action that God gave to us in Christ. And Christ invited us to be as He is to others. In other words, He works through us. Matter of fact, I think that's one reason that Christianity isn't so popular. Because it's not self-absorbed. It's otherly. And most of us would rather be self-absorbed. Now that was a bullseye. That's what, that's what makes Christianity so attractive to people around us because it's, it draws them into a love that they've never experienced and never understand. It draws them into an, a, an acceptance that we've never really accepted. Most of us have lived under the idea, not maybe even not purposely, but under the, the, under the idea you, you get rewarded for loving well. As a matter of fact, we've taken this whole Christmas thing to a point that if, if my parents love me the way I deserve to be loved, they'll get me exactly what I want. And the, our culture supports that. Where Christmas is really always meant... To be a place of growing love within this family structure. You know, uh, I realize that I'm a grandparent now. Uh, and very, um, I think I'll make a great, a better grandfather than I did father. Jacob and Manira and my other kids will be, the jury's out on that. But I believe so. I think Lisa and I, uh, you know, we're excited about it. See, all of God's directives for living are based on loving. Right? Think about it. Everything that the Lord invites us into are based on loving. Based on loving God and then loving one another. And we learn that by becoming obedient to his word. Love, as we're reading right here, love is giving, not getting. As we come into this relationship with John, it's with the, God's love that is the basis of the example for the expression that you and I should love. And I think most of us if we're to be honest, would say we're still learning that, right? We're still growing in that. We're still, and, and, and as we said, as, we, as we're praying and as we focus on this Advent season, see, the reason we focus on this soon, we're finishing a year and we're beginning a new year. If we want to finish well, we want to live in hope, peace, joy, and love. If we want to begin well, we want to begin with hope, peace, joy, and love. The idea that love is patient and kind and is not jealous, nor is it boastful, or, or does it brag. 
It's not self-absorbed, is what it says. Not arrogant. We're not self-absorbed. The truth is that's a learning process, right? I do this. Uh, I have this devotional that it, that I do every, just about all the time. Uh, it takes about a whole year to go through it, and a lot of the questions that are in it and so forth have gotten me to know me myself pretty well. Why do I feel this way about this scripture? Why do I? Why don't I live this way about this scripture? Why do I think about this scripture in a certain way? And what it's done for me is it's helped me realize why I say and do certain things that I do. In other words, I've begun to learn about myself. And I've realized the more I learn about myself, the more I'm willing to yield over to God and ask Him for help to change me. Because I see things in me that I do not want to remain the same based on God's love, right? And so my exhortation to all of us as we move forward, as we move into this next year, that you and I would ask the Lord that he would show us what his love is, what it, what it means not only to love him, but to love those around us. And, and, to lo- and, not, and not just have it in our heads, not just our words, but through our actions. That we're careful not to be misunderstood. That we're careful to honor other people's feelings. That we're careful that we represent Jesus in everything that we do. And it's easily easy to get an offense, right? It doesn't take much to get offended. Early on in my marriage, I think I offended my wife all the time. She's laughing because, yeah, he did. I didn't grow up with any sisters, and so I would treat least I, I'm, a, I'm the biggest tease you'll ever want to know. And I, boy, I'd tease Lisa jokingly, and she wouldn't take it as teasing. Anyways, um, but uh, how, how we interact with each other is huge, right? Jesus said it this way. They will know that you are my disciples, my followers, they will know that you are yielded to me. They will know that my life lives through you. They will recognize me in you on how you treat one another. That's what Jesus said. Is that a tall order? Well, so let me read this one more time as we, as we just try to think this through. and Just, just let it kind of spiritually savior savior what's the word thank you Um, love is patient and kind love does not love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude it does not demand its own way it is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about justice or injustice, excuse me, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. 
Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. And Paul ends this chapter by saying, the greatest is love. The greatest is love. And, Lord, and folks, as you and I finish this year, 2019, and enter into the next year, the biggest thing, the most important thing that you and I have to offer is the love of Jesus. Love that is kind and patient. And most, some of us might need to kind of go back to the drawing board and say, Lord, there's some things in me that need to change so that I can fulfill this call. Right? I mean, if you're like me, I'll pick on me. If you're like me, I have this great keen ability to justify my actions. To give myself excuses for reacting in certain ways. Have you ever done that? I'll give you some language for it. I would have never done that if you didn't do what you did, right? Have you ever used that one? <laughs> well, I think we all do it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'll just pick on me. See, love characterizes the Christian life. It's not just the do's and don'ts. Love is a character. It, it is God's character living in us, right? It is God's love living in us. And I'll tell you what. There's people around us all the time that's going to try to challenge that. You know, the Bible says, think about, think before you talk. You know, the Bible does say that. Think about, before you just react in words, think about it. And let the Lord speak through you. And then you might say, you might say to somebody like me, so who can do this? And I'm going to say, I would say to each and every one of us, the only way we can do this is by saying yes to Jesus. Every day. And some of us would have to say yes every moment. I would be one. I, I have this, uh, I told you about breath prayer, and let's have the worship team come forward. And breath, breath prayer is something that came out of what they call the, the desert fathers and mothers, those who left society to try to become holy and pure by living in the desert and by separating themselves for the tarnished, lustful world that was giving themselves over to idolatry and such and such. But the only problem was is they took themselves with them. The very things they left, they found they didn't leave it all because they found it was part of them. Anyways, they came up with what is called a breath prayer. And it says, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this is what they would say about that. Every time your head goes somewhere, every time your action, every time a negative motion, every, every time something happens that challenges you, that draws you out of that loving others and loving yourself and so forth, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I said, the minute you, you use the name Jesus, things change immediately. The minute you say, I say it out loud, Jesus. I don't even say the whole prayer. I just say Jesus. The minute I say Jesus, it turns me. 
It just turns me. The minute my head starts to go somewhere negative, I say, Jesus, it turns me. The minute I start thinking in a certain way, I go, Jesus, and it turns me. I want to commission you, give you the right to use the name Jesus as often as you possibly can. How about that? Yeah. The name of Jesus. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says this. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can either do it now or you can do it later. I suggest we do it now. How's that? Right? Okay. So um, we're going to take our offering right now. And we're grateful for your generosity and we just, uh, we just, it's a great time to put your Connect card in there uh, with your prayer requests and so forth. Uh, we do have an online option on our website at oasis.org. Uh, but really, I just want to thank you. We are a community-supported church. And uh, so, praise the Lord, right? All right. Amen. So let's finish up with a song and we'll pray.